This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dafran Johan. The Malaysian Communications and Multimedia Commission, MCMC, is considering banning the social media slash messaging app Telegram. The company's chief compliance officer, Zulkarnian Mohamad Yassin, said that this could be necessary in order to offer protection to users of the app as well as to safeguard national sovereignty. But just how dangerous is Telegram? And is banning the app and social media platforms in general or messaging platforms in general, the right way to go about dealing with any issues. So joining me on the show today to discuss this is Dr. Benjamin Lowe. He's a senior lecturer at the School of Media and Communications at Taylor's University. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks for joining me once again. All right. Thank you so much. Hi. Uh, good morning. Uh, good afternoon, Dashwin. Thank you for having me. Um, now, Ben, MCMC is considering banning Telegram due to cyber crimes associated with the platform. What are your overall thoughts on this sort of line of um, thinking? Uh, I think they definitely do have a very strong point. You know, Telegram uh, is a very uh, unusual sort of social media or messaging platform, unlike the others, essentially. You know, like most other social media or, or messaging platforms are uh, essentially uh, capitalist driven. You know, they are uh, profit making uh, services, basically. You know, they are either part of big tech and they are meant to sort of like uh, make money in some way, shape or form. And while uh, it is quite a common occurrence along most uh, tech companies that often go through this phase where early on in their uh, release schedule, they, they're not intended to be profitable. But once they get enough market share, that's when they start, uh, you know, turning to advertising or other ways of trying to uh, sort of like get a return on your investment. Right. Telegram has a more unique sort of setup whereby it's privately owned and it is being funded by a sort of like uh, a special fund that is going to, uh, the whole idea behind Telegram is that it's supposed to be a lot more independent. It's not supposed to be profit-driven. And as a result, that is supposed to be free from the shackles of uh, have being, having the need to be profitable in order to 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 sort of like remain viable as a, as a platform, essentially. So Telegram is on a very, very different kind of uh, space in that sense. But of course, just because it's using that approach, there are some other issues that have emerged as a result of that uh, that are different from other social media platforms, you know, whereby uh, with other social media platforms, if you wanted to pressure them to sort of like adhere to certain rules or regulations, you can always threaten them by uh, sort of like, uh, often the way to pressure social media companies to adhere to uh, rules or regulations is to often pressure uh, advertising companies, you know, if you right. limit the kinds of advertising that can be done, uh, that's when they often will uh, change the way that they operate to accommodate that. And which is why you see that um, certain platforms, which initially were a lot more, say, open to allowing, say, sexual content or content that was a little bit more illicit in nature or a little more um, legally gray. Uh, but the moment you start to see that they, uh, certain advertisers have to pull back from using their platform, that's when they start to sort of like reverse or change direction with the way that they implement these things. Telegram doesn't have quite have that as well, which is why that mode of pressure is not quite as strong. But they have also sort of like been, uh, you know, in the early days of Telegram, one of the big complaints that was often levied against Telegram was that, you know, a lot of uh, illegal activities are often being conducted right. on the platform. It primarily often was uh, terrorism, like communication for terrorism and things like that. So uh, the platform has sort of like um, taken that into account and they have actually sort of like put in some safeguards in place to sort of ensure that, you know, um, things like pornography, things like terrorism engagement are all minimized or at least they claim to sort of like be preventing this to a certain extent, but it's not necessarily a foolproof case. But so that's in a nutshell, 
uh, what Telegram, what are the main issues with Telegram and why the Malaysian government is seeing them as a particular issue. For those who may not know, Ben, because um, unlike Facebook um, or even Instagram, where if I just, you know, t- even tell my mom that she knows what it is, right? But I feel Telegram is something um, a little bit, I think people in the media space, uh, a lot of people use it, millions of people, but I think it's perhaps not as mainstream. So for people who have no idea, no concept of what Telegram is, could you just explain that a little bit? Okay, so Telegram initially started as a more um, secure option towards WhatsApp. You know, WhatsApp was seen as WhatsApp is considered to be the world's most popular uh, messaging communication app. So, right. uh, for while some people there is some debate over whether WhatsApp is technically social media or not, but mm-hmm. it is for the most part an instant messaging service. You know, right. people can communicate discreetly with each other essentially. And uh, when WhatsApp was acquired by Meta, that was when a lot of concerns about uh, sort of like your data and, you know, sort of all the accessibility, your privacy started to become an issue. So Telegram was sort of like created, uh, the idea of Telegram was to provide an alternative to WhatsApp that was more focused on being secure, on uh, providing more accessibility and to making sure that your da- that the company doesn't have access to your data. So that's fundamentally one of the uh, key reasons why Telegram uh, talks itself as being better than WhatsApp. You know. At the end of the day, WhatsApp uh, there is un- there is some uncertainty over whether Meta has access to the sort of like the messages that you do send on WhatsApp. Essentially, you know, even though there is some encryption, but they I think there is no clarity on whether or not they can actually see all of that data. Telegram guarantees that that is all entirely private in terms of uh, the messages that you send, and it's all discreet. That they they may contain sort of data, but it's all encrypted, and they cannot look into that data. Now, that was initially what Telegram was supposed to be, but Telegram has sort of morphed in very, very different ways. And where it has sort of like entered into the realm of social media is in the fact that it actually has this new uh, new service that allows for uh, broadcast services. So right. uh, in Telegram, you can sort of like create um, WhatsApp groups and you can, I think, include it up to about 200 plus people. It's it's It may be seem large, but in terms of doing mass level broadcasting, it's not really quite viable in that sense. Um, Telegram can go up to 200,000 people, if I'm not mistaken, which means that it's actually a very useful platform to do um, sort of like limited range broadcast with a large group of people around the world. And that's one of the reasons. And that particular form is actually where uh, it is primarily used for a lot of these illicit, a lot of these public engagement activities. You know, Malaysian government heavily used Telegram during the uh, early days of, not sorry, during the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, it's one of the main ways in which they communicated with people because you could run a channel, you could sort of like distribute a lot of information to a wide group of people. And one of the good things about this method is that unlike, say, on uh, Twitter or even Facebook, whereby if you wanted to get updates from a particular page, you have to follow it, um, people could look up the list of followers there and they could sort of identify that you are following this page. Right. Telegram doesn't allow, Telegram actually allows channels, or these this are what we call broadcast channels, to actually have a degree of secrecy, meaning that you can follow certain channels or be part of these groups and your identity will not be known. So it does offer some level of um, discretion there. So, and that's also one of the main problems why, uh, the reasons why Telegram also serves as a main spot for a lot of this sort of like uh, pornographic activity, which is one of the main reasons why Malaysia wants to ban it, you know. Uh, unlike WhatsApp or other social media platforms, 
Telegram doesn't actually have restrictions on the kinds of files that you put up into it. It doesn't do compression. So you can basically put uncompressed media, which is again, um, if you're going to be putting uh, a lot of like audio and visual content, it's incredibly useful for that. So that's where um, there is a lot of concerns. And this is something that's not unique to Malaysia. Telegram is one of the main platforms in which there's a lot of uh, pornographic material, a lot of like sexually explicit material, things like revenge porn that are being distributed on the network essentially. Right. So a lot of debate has come out um, as on social media, on Twitter, um, on whether or not the government is taking the right approach. So, of course, you have some people that say, you know, this this app is essentially uncontrollable in that sense, um, you know, and, and so it should be banned. And then other people who say, but no, this app brings a lot of benefits, which uh, perhaps you can, you know, to dive into a little bit later as well. But I'm wondering, Ben, um, you know, as someone who studies studies the media um, extensively, where do you fall on this debate? Um, to be honest, I feel that there are social media needs to have some form of restrictions as well, mm-hmm. and I think uh, that is that goes without saying. Essentially, you know, these are uh, especially if you've got social media that do sort of like act as though it is a sort of like a public sphere or a platform for certain things. And for a long time, many social media companies often kowtow to the demands of either state governments or whatnot because of, you know, um, capitalistic pressures, you know, as I mentioned before, this whole idea of use, of forcing the way that they generate income or revenue as a means to make sure that they stay in line. But uh, that generally only applies if you are in a largely free market and, and sort of like um, yeah, a liberal economy kind of environment, essentially, right. you know, where there are what, what we call more open democratic practices in place. But if you are going into a country where there, there's a highly restrictive media environment, where there's a lot of government restrictions in place, you know, there's are very, very strong autocratic uh, governments, uh, sort of like controlling the media and access to information and whatnot. Telegram actually is a very, very useful tool in that sense. And, you know, as we can see in recent examples about how Iran has banned Telegram because Telegram was the main uh, sort of like medium of communication for many of the people who are trying to uh, fight sort of like the oppression from the government in that sense. So um, in that, in that, that's why it's not a clear cut case of, you know, um, you know, social media needs to... Uh, sort of like adhere to government regulations because not all government regulations are going to be in the interest of people. It could often be for self-protection and things like that. And even the way that our government has sort of like justified that, um, similar arguments have been used before. They have been uh, levied against certain, I mean, similar methods have been used in Malaysia to sort of um, uh, block, you know, pornographic material, but these were also the same sort of rules that were extended to alternative media at the time that were seen as being overly critical of the government. So there's always that little uh, sort of like gray area of, you know, do we want to allow this or not? And that's the main issue of concern here. Uh, So uh, generally speaking, rather than focusing on um, banning a lot of these uh, platforms, basically, I think the focus really should be on uh, trying to uh, sort of like... um, Force them already focus on what are the main issues that are being taking place here. So in this particular case, you know, the sharing of illicit sexual materials on uh, sort of like this particular platform, because that can be addressed in other ways. Absolutely. And I want to dive into, um, you know, this the, the sharing of, um, you know, explicit sexual materials and, and uh, you know, un, uh, without consent and so on and so forth in the second half of the show, right? But you brought up something interesting about how, you know, in, in certain oppressive governments, people use Telegram to communicate with one another. Um, 
what benefits does Telegram, uh, Telegram provide? Because as I understand, Telegram is incredibly popular among you know, journalists and civilians in, in conflict zones as well, um, and even among certain marginalised or, or minority groups um, that face serious oppressions in, in certain countries. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how Telegram is functional um, in these instances. So in those instances, due to the fact that it is uh, sort of like, I mean, one of the good, uh, useful things about Telegram is that Telegram may be safer, but a lot of the safety and privacy features actually re require users to actually opt in, essentially. You know, they have features such as secret chats that allow you to really ensure that nobody can look into it. Even Telegram won't have access. But right. if you use Telegram in a very default manner, which is what most people are using, they have access to a lot of the information that you have. All those is publicly available. And there are actually some concerns that because uh, unlike WhatsApp that um, Telegram is cloud-based, meaning that everything is accessible online. Uh, you can access it from multiple devices. So there is some security concerns there as a result of that. But if you do use the secret chat function, which is what most people who engage in, um, if they are afraid of being if they're afraid of being surveilled or being sort of like monitored by authorities or whatnot, that is a very effective way to avoid that gaze and to be able to operate at a distance for secrecy. And this is also, so on the one hand, this means that Telegram is useful for people who are in oppressive environments or activists who are trying to sort of like avoid the uh, the gaze of authorities. But that also means that uh, certain activities that are related to extremism or terrorism can also proliferate in this platform in this manner as well. And one of the and while that can also that is also the case, and that's something that's been quite a concern. But again, that's not something that's unique to Telegram. So to say, you know, tele, uh, you know, platforms like Facebook, even uh, sort of like WhatsApp, are often used to also do like uh, sort of like discrete communication. But the part where uh, sort of like face uh, Telegram can be a little bit more um, problematic is, as I mentioned before, the, the ability to do mass broadcast to large groups of people in a more in a very uh, sort of like discrete manner, essentially, whereby you can sort of like follow these channels and you don't have to reveal that you're following these channels. And right. only the channel owner will know who they are. So that's one of the main concerns. But that also is also useful in uh, conflict areas where you want people who, um, you if you do, you want to make sure that prying eyes will not have access to whoever is uh, participating in these communications. Right. So with that in mind, right, um, does the potential ban on Telegram align with democratic principles and the right to access information freely, especially given, you know, what you just uh, mentioned about the conflict zones, about how journalists can use um, Telegram to, to get their information out, in, in perhaps in, in secret. Um, you know, people can be very critical about governments without governments um, knowing what they're saying, so on and so forth. So do you think the potential ban on Telegram could undermine democratic principles? Well, here's the thing, you know, um, when people talk about um, sort of like uh, democratic principles, it's the whole idea that you want to express yourself in a very public manner. And for the most part, I think it, we um, most people assume that the most public social media basically would be things like Twitter, to a certain extent, Instagram, Facebook is still relatively public, but a lot limited in that sense. But, you know, with Twitter going through a little bit of a uh, sort of like a, a problematic phase now at present. People are seeking for alternatives. But Telegram has always sort of like taken on this role of being um, not quite a public uh, space for debate. It's often just seen as a way in which sort of like uh, certain uh, more um, less mainstream groups can sort of like communicate or spread out different ideas in that sense. So that's 
like if you notice that whenever whenever people make public statements or whatnot, Telegram is not usually quoted as a source of that kind of information. So on the one hand, um, it does mean that um, if you want to engage in sort of like online political debate, Telegram doesn't really seem like the right place to it, even though it can sort of like take on that 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 particular role as well. But because it is always seen as a little bit more um, fringe, not quite mainstream, it always has that little uh, role into play. But that doesn't mean that uh, it should be sort of like banned or whatnot. It's just that there are ways in which it operates that are, do have a lot of problems as a result of that. So it's not quite as clear cut, but in terms of uh, restricting people's access to a certain platform, um, that is definitely one of the main concerns of reducing democratic freedoms. Because, uh, you know, as we saw before with, um, like previously, it used to be the, the main social media that was used by a lot of like uh, people who are engaging in trying to do protests or uh, activism, of course, was Twitter, which used to be a lot more uh, important. But of course, now, uh, by but the problem with Twitter is that it's incredibly public. And by making things so public, it means that authorities can also uh, clamp down on it quite easily as well. And, you know, that's why you start to see that uh, platforms like Facebook, Twitter have started to decline in terms of being used by uh, groups like this, because uh, where it you have increased accessibility to people, you also means that the authorities have more ways of tracking you and keeping tabs on things. So Telegram avoids all of those things, which is why it is now preferred for a lot of other groups in that sense. So I would say that um, it seems as though, um, in Malaysia's case at the least, it just seems as though this is an avenue in which they are uh, not allowed, the government doesn't have control over this particular uh, sort of like medium of communication, which is a very common thing to do. You know, governments uh, don't like, the, even no matter how much they profess to value uh, values of freedom or democracy or whatnot, whenever there are certain things that the government either doesn't have access to or is completely incapable of either managing or even monitoring, that can prove to be a threat to various different um, authorities and they usually will try to sort of like deal with it in certain ways. So in our case, we seem to be wanting to ban, to ban them. All right, let's go for a very quick break. On the show with me today is Dr. Benjamin Lowe, Senior Lecturer at the School of Media and Communication at Taylor's University. After the break, we go through some of the arguments in support of banning the platform. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Dr. Benjamin Lowe, Senior Lecturer at the School of Media and Communication at Taylor's University. And we're discussing the recent news in which MCMC is mulling banning the social media slash, slash messaging app Telegram. So, Ben, now you brought up this in the first half of the show and I think this is very important. I think this is the primary concern um, for the government and for many Malaysians as well because many have argued that the platform has been used, like you said, for the circulation of pornographic material but not just that because pornographic material you can even find on Twitter and so on and so forth, right? Um, Facebook even. But Telegram, because of its, you know, secrecy, you get a lot of sexually exploitative material, um, materials, um, you know, sex in sexual nature that's taken and circulated without consent. Um, you know, we've had tons of cases in Malaysia as well over the years. So it's also reportedly used to buy and sell drugs way more than, you know, let's say on Instagram and so on and so forth. So... Those in agreement with this, with the government's consideration, saying that you know this is why, unlike other platforms, Twitter, um, you know, even Facebook, WhatsApp, and whatnot, Telegram should be banned. Um, how do you see it? Well, the thing is, so 
the uh, yeah that is always seen as like the main concern on telegram and yes you know the distribution of uh sexually uh sexually exploitative materials things mm-hmm. like revenge porn that and that was one of the main concerns and that's not something that's unique to malaysia you know we're seeing that in a lot of other different countries as well i think uh, one of the biggest cases that we've seen in the last few years was that big case uh, out of South Korea, if I'm not mistaken. They had like that huge scandal in calling celebrities and whatnot. Uh, but that is, of course, a major concern. And yes, um, a lot of this can be done due to the fact that uh, Telegram does allow for discrete sort of like arrangements between different groups of people. And more often than not, many of the groups that engage in the distribution of these materials are often private or uh, closed groups, essentially, you know, and they uh, often will find materials and they share it amongst each other as well. These are the things that you as the member of public will never, ever be able to see in that sense. And, but the thing is, uh, that sort of like getting to that point is one way of doing it, but that's not, um, the thing is, because they are sort of like closed in nature, it doesn't, people can't just sort of like stumble into these groups or find into these groups. So Telegram actually has this uh, feature now in place that whenever there's any group that is reported or for having pornographic material or for having uh, sort of like having any of these sort of like uh, illegal content that they don't allow generally or is seen as uh, going against certain laws or, or regulations, they actually... Um, I think, I'm not sure what the term is, but they delist many of these sort of like public groups, meaning that if you try to search for them, you're not going to be able to find them as well. And that basically limits the way that people can access these things, which is why many of these groups tend to operate in secret in in, uh, sort of like in hiding as well. Mm -hmm. And so the getting entry into these groups, this this is where other platforms are used fundamentally, you know, either they recruit it on WhatsApp or they recruit it in other different means or they just use word of mouth as well. And so, um, and at present, we're not really seeing a lot of the ways that these things are being uh, sort of like prevented or being done uh, sort of like. But the thing is, uh, these are issues. And as we've sort of seen, whenever a certain platform is banned, whenever um, one door is closed, people will just move on to another way, another sort of like open door that are present at, as well. And the thing is, right now, uh, you can sort of see Telegram as a sort of honeypot, meaning that it's a popular enough platform that people know how to use it and people have been using it quite a bit. And so so if you are actually in a position of authority where you want to, you know that these sort of activities are taking place and you, instead you should be focusing on trying to monitor and policing these areas to sort of right. try to get access to sort of block them. So because if you just ban Telegram, you do not. You don't just ban this sort of like groups, which again, um, we don't really know what the numbers are specifically, except we know that there are certain groups. And the thing is, when we get to the point where we know that these groups sort of exist, that already means that, okay, um, that means you probably have entryways and you should then be focusing on addressing those needs. So um, the government instead should be focusing on enacting laws, targeting those types of activities, targeting the individuals who are involved in this, because if they don't use Telegram, they'll be using other means as well. So that, that's one of the main reasons why um, this act of banning Telegram is not is a little bit uh, excessive, you know, just to sort of like deal with this because it does have other benefits that would be sort of like destroyed as a result of that. So the government has come out and said that unlike Facebook and TikTok, there are no official communication channels to reach out to Telegram. Government also said that Telegram has been invited for talks multiple times, but they did not cooperate. Now, moving away from Telegram specifically, should social media platforms, messaging platforms, or any apps for that matter, um, and, and other big companies, be answerable to the government? 
I think that um, okay, so the reason why Telegram doesn't is not contactable mm-hmm. is that well, I, I don't think they're not contactable. I think it's just that uh, they don't have a presence here, so it makes it difficult to contact them in that sense. And also doesn't it also means that they're not accountable. So the reason why you see a lot of tech companies of opening subsidiaries in various different countries, even though uh, they may be smaller or it's not where their main base of operations are, is because they see that as a viable market. So uh, often these. Uh, subsidiaries that are opened up there, they're meant to sort of like uh, cater to local interests. So uh, they're going, they're supposed to uh, look for local advertisers. They're supposed to make sure that the content is in line with local laws and regulations. So generally, that's the the main rationale behind why they would form all of these local subsidiaries as well. And Telegram, again, Telegram is technically supposed to be a non-profit and therefore it doesn't uh, operate in that way. But that doesn't mean that Telegram doesn't actually generate income. No, Telegram actually uh, does sort of like... um, I think it actually does have a financial, it does uh, allow people to sort of like pay to it in a certain way, you know, you can buy for certain um, stickers and things like that on an app. So it does actually seek for income in a certain way. So if the government does want to pressure that, they can actually limit the way that they can generate income. But we're, but due to the fact that Malaysia is quite small and may not seem like a viable market, that may not actually uh, impact Telegram enough that they, that would be a cause for concern for them. But in that sense, uh, the when a company does sort of like form these things locally. And actually, it's actually important that uh, companies do have a local uh, body that's present because that means that you know that the social media company is taking into account the local needs as well. And it also means that they do content moderation. If you are going to be doing content moderation for your platform that is going to be context and local local specific, you need that local office. You know, We saw very clearly what happened when um, sort of like, uh, I mean, until today, one of the main reasons why um, sort of like the the sort of like the violence against the Rohingya community in Myanmar was widely attributed to to Facebook and Meta even has openly said that yes we were derelict in that sense simply because they did not have enough local locally trained content moderators who monitored a lot of the sort right. of like content that was being the hate con- content that was being distributed on that platform basically and uh, even though they had a local office they didn't have the manpower they claimed that AI was going to do it but. You know, um, if you're using a language that's not quite uh, as popular, it's going to have very limited uses as well. And so it's very, very important, which is why you notice that most social media based companies will have a local office that focuses on doing content moderation. Now, Telegram doesn't quite do, I mean, Telegram technically has does have a form of, of content moderation at present. Like I said, you know, they do tend to ban more uh, sort of like uh, sexual content on on the on, like limit the use of you definitely need a moderation team to sort of like manage that in that sense. So um, that's why you see that Telegram doesn't seem quite bothered to open up these services. And again, it's not uh, fully capitalistic, and therefore it can't really afford to open up many of these offices around the world. So uh, that's why it stands a little bit apart. But I believe that it is actually important that uh, social media companies have that because if you are operating your platform in a country. Uh, in the country and you do have all these you know um, terms of service or reg- rules or regulation of what content is allowed on the platform it is your duty to ensure that you monitor all content even if it's content that um, and if it's content that you do not have any natural speakers who are going to be able to moderate that content properly it is your duty to actually make sure that you are able to monitor it. so um if you're not able to do it yourself, you need to open it to sort of like the public to do it in a certain way, like how uh, Twitter has the Twitter, the community note service uh, that actually does sort of like mitigate the need for content moderators to a certain extent. So these are some of the ways that, uh, why that these are priorities for other social media platforms and not quite Telegram. So some argue that 
you know, the government shouldn't get involved in anything. You know, whatever apps that want to come, let them come. You know, government shouldn't, you know, interfere, shouldn't try to regulate all these things. And, and you should just let people decide, essentially, let the market forces decide, so on and so forth. Um, where do you stand as a principle? Shouldn't governments um, be able to ban apps that fail to comply with their regulations? Um, after all, governments technically represent the people, at least in an ideal world. So if people say, this is the society we want to create, these are the laws that we want to have, um, people that don't comply with these laws, you know, are going to be banned or whatever. Um, shouldn't the government be able to do that? Well, for me, I think it's really the the principle, the matter. You know, right. the idea here is that if by allowing the government to ban specific forms of communication, you know, um, again, uh, even in an ideal environment where uh, there is absolute democracy, there is absolute freedoms available, so allowing the government to have that ability to sort of like ban specific platforms does sort of like invite uh, certain issues that are present as well, because you know, um, you never uh, sometimes. Um, uh, as we can see in certain Western countries that are very capitalistic driven, the banning often is focused on sort of like trying to assuage uh, capitalistic uh, sort of like uh, reasons. You know, one of the main reasons why America is sort of like focusing on banning TikTok is because TikTok has now become the dominant uh, right. sort of like social media platform that is not based in America. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, and it's and the thing is, you know, what a lot of the complaints levied against TikTok, you know, collecting all this private data and whatnot. Are the same things that a lot of their uh, homegrown based social media platforms are doing fundamentally but because it's done by a foreign entity that's where suddenly it becomes a problem and the, you know the issue of banning comes in as well so even in a country like america where you know they they stress very clearly that you know the government doesn't censor the media and whatnot they've even gone to the point where you know banning a platform is something that they are willing to do just because you know it doesn't meet their it it serves the capitalist needs of an entity outside of their country essentially uh, so similarly, uh, but that doesn't mean that, you know, the government just is going to allow any of these platforms to proliferate as well, because, you know, uh, we still do have laws and regulations. And uh, I think it's sort of like mutually agreed upon by everybody around the world that certain kinds of content is going to just has to be illegal everywhere. Things like sexually explicit material, um, hate speech to a certain extent is widely uh, sort of like um, uh, not seen as acceptable in many countries around the world. And, you know, things that are discri discriminatory in nature, things that uh, affect certain groups, marginalized groups especially, they are uh, going, they should be sort of like, um, there need the government's rules and regulations do need to be taken into account to ensure that these things are prevented as well. So when it comes to banning, banning which is why I said, you know, banning platforms is a little bit excessive. It should really be focused on trying to address these things in different ways and to ensure that um, they can sort of uh, uh, prevent them through the use of laws and by forcing these companies to comply. Because again, if there is enough pressure that's being done, you know, social media companies do sort of like adhere to them as well. Because again, uh, Telegram very early on just said that we're not going to moderate or ban any platform. But again, after a while, people will then associate, oh, Telegram is the place where if I wanted to get porn, I can just go there as well. Right. You know, most companies will want to avoid that sort of negative association. So uh, that's why you see Telegram has also sort of like agreed to that. And they also sort of like roll back a lot of the uh, liberties that they allowed on the platform that allowed things like, you know, terrorism to proliferate in that sense, which is why um, it's gone mostly underground on the platform as a result of that. So there are ways to sort of like pressure them to adhere to it. And let's discuss that a little bit deeper because um, I think, 
you rightfully paint a very complex picture here in the sense that you address that the, there are very serious concerns, concern, uh, you know, with, with regard to Telegram, um, you know, sexually explicit material without consent being circulated. Sometimes it's being used for terrorism and, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, you, you're saying we shouldn't just go and just ban platforms. You know, every time we don't like something, we just ban it. We should tackle it with a little bit more nuance. So what alternative measures could the government consider instead of an outright ban? And how do you strike that balance between protecting the public from genuinely harmful con- content or even you know protecting national security or national sovereignty and, and so on and so forth versus protecting this this idea of freedom of speech oh that is a very very tricky question i don't <laughs> think we have a real straightforward answer for right. that i would say that the government should probably um like right now, we don't really have a lot of very clear-cut laws that really moderates the way that we have freedom of speech. You know, like right now, um, our constitution does guarantee freedom of speech, but there are so many caveats. And again, the caveats are all uh, very vaguely worded. Like you know, the whole idea of you know uh, the Sedition Act is basically this huge um, shadow that just casts over everything else. Because under the Sedition Act, um, any form of criticism, not just against the Malaysian, uh, against sort of like institutions of authority in Malaysia, but any institutional authority. So if you were to be critical of, say, um, the royal family in the UK, you can technically be charged under the Sedition Act. That's how wide-ranging and how um, abstract it can be functioned. So I think until we sort of like deal with that sort of like these um, potentially overreaching laws that we have in this country, a lot of these issues here are uh, not going to be settled very, very well. Because again, a lot of times, uh, and again, a lot of countries like to have all these very, all these very vaguely worded laws that they they claim that oh, we're only going to use it under extreme circumstances. But what those circumstances are, we won't know until we hit that point. Right. Which is again, uh, it's a very useful tool to force people to self censor because you never know whether you're going to run afoul of the authority. So better to be safe than sorry. And as a result, that people will always um, sort of like err on the side of caution as a result of that. So they self censor, but. Uh, so the way to sort of like avoid that is to really make sure that you provide uh, more laws that really ensure that there is more uh, direct, very clear understanding of what is allowed and not permitted. I mean, we're starting to see a lot of that happening uh, with regards to, and one of the main issues, of course, is that with pornographic materials, and I think pornographic materials, we have a lot of laws relating their use, simulation, distribution and whatnot, but sexually exploitative materials, not so much. I mean, recently right. we've had the sort of like, you know, the sexual harassment bill that has been passed, which is our good steps as well, but we need to really improve that further to make sure that uh, people are protected, that a lot of these content are not distributed, and also to increase more public awareness that this type of content is really very harmful, very, very bad. And they should be sort of like um, addressed in very, very different ways as well. And there needs to be a need for people to sort of like uh, report it themselves to make sure that the authorities are paying more attention and to really show that, you know, um, try to get people to not engage in this type of activities or at least monitor people who are engaging these activities to begin with. So that's generally where I go on that sense. I feel that any form of government intervention that is involving in banning or directly like, you know, eavesdropping on people is a, a step too far in that sense. So it's not really a clear-cut situation because you've got so many other issues that are present in Malaysia. And we've had such a huge history of a, a sort of like government overreach with regards to our laws that I'm hesitant to uh, provide the government with excessive uh, sort of like powers in this case. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So 
are there any governments, countries we can learn from in which they are effectively managing security concerns um, or, you know, even social concerns and, and whatnot without resorting to just banning, you know, all these apps like Telegram and whatnot? Uh, well, it used to be America, but you know, <laughs> like I mentioned, you know, America has resorted to banning TikTok because they <clears throat> have crafted this narrative that it's a foreign entity, it's stealing your data and whatnot. Right. So that's what all social media companies are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say that um, this is a very, very tricky situation because you know this whole issue of um, of regulating social media is something that's only happened fairly recently. You know, the main trigger point that really, I mean, for a very, very long time, social media companies or big tech in general were allowed to sort of like um, manage uh, the mass collection and processing of you, like like millions of data points from users pretty much without any sort of like regulate, regulatory concern until the Cambridge Analytica scandal happened. And that was the point where uh, suddenly, okay, um, social media, com- big tech, it doesn't have your best interest in mind. And we're starting to see all of that sort of like happening with the sort of like the discussions of AI right now. They're trying to sort of like take on that benevolent role. And I think it's good that we're seeing that certain um, authorities are sort of seeing that and saying that, no, that we, that we've seen what happened before <laughs> that, that can't be the case. So right. I guess you could say that maybe Europe is one of the places that really is trying, really focusing on making sure that they, and they are, uh, protecting their people and they're managing all these things in very very specific ways i think they do have actually a uh, sort of like a work a working groups that are working on managing a lot of these sort of like uh things like misinformation on social media platforms to sort of like see how they can manage it in different ways i don't think they've come up with a very strong uh sort of like rules or regulation because they're still processing it and similarly these are the ways in which you can sort of like work together with other countries so um i think one of the ways that this can sort of like be useful would be to for countries to not operate in silo. Because if you're a single country and you are talking about regulating a platform, it can be a little bit of a slippery slope. You know, More often than not, if it's a single country that's doing it, usually it's because the app is doing something that the country doesn't like specifically. But if you work as part of a coalition of countries working together, um, they, that sort of like issue can be mitigated to a certain extent because, you know, um, uh, the issues of, you know, uh, national sovereignty is not going to be as clear cut because you've got different countries and therefore, uh, it's more seen as a more common problem rather than something that is unique to that particular situation and therefore could be because the government is losing power and they want to sort of like control that. So I, in terms of any single country, I don't think that, I mean, I'm not familiar with any of them as well, but I feel that, you know, uh, this is where collected bodies like the EU especially were very, very effective, you know, like until today, the GDP GDPR is basically the single most important legislation in the way that we think about private data. And without that, a lot of the ways that we think about uh, sort of like keeping ourselves secure online would not be possible today. So we really have to be thankful that that law, which technically is for European citizens, but it's because of that, it's actually applied to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So we all benefit as a result of that. So that's one of the ways that I think we can see moving forward based on this. Ben, before I wrap this conversation up, would you have a final message for us or a final thought on whether or not Malaysia should ban apps such as Telegram? Um, no, I mean... I don't think we should be banning any specific apps unless, of course, they are not willing to... Uh, I mean, 
it's I, I mean there are going to be certain apps that are basically going to be harmful but telegram uh, does have its uses as well you know like for instance it's very similar to how people there were a lot of people that said that, oh we should ban um bittorrent bittorrent was a was a sort of like a very useful very unique way of trying to do allow people to download large large file sets in a distributed manner that didn't need for uh, singular services so, but of course because it was largely used for piracy people were <laughs> very much against it and i think uh, certain platforms that certain uh, providers tended to ban things like that, but it also sort of like meant that oh, the actual uses of it were also eliminated as a result of that. And I feel that Telegram does have a lot of those positive uses uh, in today, and I think banning it would be a huge mistake on on Malaysia's part as well for going through with it. Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Dashran. Have a good day. That was Dr. Benjamin Lowe, Senior Lecturer at the School of Media and Communication at Taylor's University. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.